Turn your, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. So Ephesians 3, I really want to focus on one verse, but I put Ephesians 3 because I want to read all of the verses leading up to it and then really hone in on since Jesus came into my heart. All right, so starting in verse number 1, if you'd follow along. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit's writing to this church at Ephesus, and he's saying, For this cause I, Paul, and the prisoner, the bondservant, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, for you that are, you know, outside of uh, the original covenants and promises to Israel. It says, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when you read that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And let me just say this, I love this mystery it's not a mystery to us now that we're 2,000 years past the cross but if you were reading this during that time or if you were living the hundreds and hundreds of years before the cross you wouldn't have understood this mystery so that which was previously unknown and concealed is now or now currently known and revealed this side of the cross and so he's going to unpack this mystery he says in verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy, holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel. So this mystery is that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. We all have this access. Look at Ephesians 2.18, if you would. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. This was the mystery that this whole idea that you would need to meet God based on a certain gender, based on a certain day, based on a certain geography, based on a certain zip code, based on a certain tribe, based on a certain methodology. Um, he says that's all done away with in the person of Christ and the veil's been rent from the top to the bottom and he's given access to Jews and Gentiles to everyone because God wants all to experience and to express his life and love. And then he says this, verse 7, Wherefore I made a minister according to the gift of grace. And he already mentioned the gift of grace for eternal life in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. That's the verse God used to save me. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. But this is the grace that he's talking about for daily life, right? There's grace for eternal life, but then there's grace to how to live out this Christian life. And that's what he's referring to. And he said, God's made me um, a minister. And it's this effectual working of his power in and through his life. And in verse 8, he acknowledges this, not in a false humility, but he knows where he came from. He says, unto me who am less then the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You think about that. Oh, Neil, all you do is preach Jesus, 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 Jesus. Really? I might do, not do a good job of it all the time consistently. I might hit some base hits, right? Sometimes I get a double. Once in a while, a triple. Most of the time, it's kind of a bunt. and like, oh, darn it. Um, <laughs> but if you are always preaching Christ, you could never exhaust the person, the eternality, and just who he is. Just give me Jesus. I want to see Jesus. So he says, um, I, I think God delivered him from the fear of repetition, you know, <laughs> Dang it, Paul, are you going to preach Jesus again? You know, he was kind of delivered from that fear. All he did was went around preaching Jesus, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Okay, that koinonia, that's the word fellowship. It's the same word for communion. Um, so we're in this fellowship of this mystery. And he says, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And you could even preach creation, the unsearchable riches of Christ. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. You realize that's not, that's not given to one's own private interpretation of the scripture? 
Look at you guys have got the spirit and he wants to, God wants to make known to the church and by the church and through the church, the wisdom of God, the mystery of God. He's entrusted us as stewards of it. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to stop there a little bit. Because if you think about the eternal purpose of God, what was it in the garden that you think God wanted? Gardeners? You think he created Adam and Eve because he needed agricultural help, right? I don't think he wanted gardeners. I don't think he wanted agricultural help. I think he wanted relationship. I think he really, really, really desired relationship. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to, you know, bring him a partner. And those two will express the image of God. You have Eve pink, you have Adam blue, and then you have the two becoming one, making purple, and you have the expression of God, right? Um, God's a spirit, and so they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, and then you have this perfect example, but then there was something that happened. There's a little dissatisfaction, and it's almost like, well, everything was perfect, but the woman got tricked a little bit well, a lot bit, and so did the man, <laughs> in the sense that, well, I don't know if this marriage is enough. I don't know if God is enough. So, and, and Adam, too, kind of capitulating to that, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe paradise and maybe perfection and maybe perfect harmony and perfect love isn't enough, right? And so they were deceived. And so where Adam and Eve collapsed, Jesus then is going to come along and, and reinsert his eternal purpose, which was originally intended. Now look with me, if you would, in Ephesians, if you're there, look at chapter 5. He says, um, verse 30, we're members of his body, chapter 5, verse 30, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one. This is his reference way back to Adam and Eve. And he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's talking about this mystery here. And if you think about it, Adam and Eve, husband and wife, oneness. And it was a, tri, it was a, it was a triunity. It was Adam and Eve and God into the mix of that relationship. And God wanted them to have that perfect expression a receiving and a releasing and a and um an exchange of life and an exchange of love and perfect harmony he wanted them to experience that and then it was broken and severed so you fast forward to the cross and what, what where adam and eve failed it's almost like out of the rib of adam came the wife and then on the cross, out of the side of Jesus comes this bride, this church, and it's birth. This church is birth. And then it's almost as if God brings the, the bride to uh, the son and they do this handoff and this eternal purpose that was kind of lost way back in the garden and kind of through types and shadows, types and shadows was pictured and it seemed exclusive and there seemed like a lot of red tape and it seemed like there was a lot of conditionality and then all of a sudden Jesus comes and he, he kind of reinserts this whole eternal purpose to where he wants this mystery that was lost. He wants to, he wants to bring it back again. And now you have this relationship with Christ and this bride and he's saying, here's the mystery in this bride, there's going to be males and females. There's going to be Jews and Gentiles, but they're going to be brought into this oneness and they're going to be eternally joined. And uh, the, the husband's never going to divorce the wife. Jesus is never going to leave the church, his bride. And I think about it and I think about myself in Eve's position with her, maybe her deceived dissatisfaction. And I think, you know what, I'm no different. As, as a church member, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm no different. Sometimes I get a little disillusioned, a little disappointed, a little maybe my expectations aren't met in my relationship with Christ. And it's as though I'm saying perfection and perfect love is not enough. Um, and so you have God here saying, but regardless of our wandering as the, as the bride, regardless of our, how we relate to Christ, he will 
always relate to us and pursue us in love. And so Paul's unpacking this. And I, here, continue to read with me. And then in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Amen. It's good to be in the family, right? That, you, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glories, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner you, in the inner you. This is the prayer of Paul, that you and your own uniqueness would be strengthened internally um, as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And then he says here in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How did he get there? By faith. How do we experience him? By faith. How do we express him on a daily basis? By faith. He says he wants us as, as his prayer to be rooted and grounded in love that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, that's us, that's each other. It's not a solo mission to discover this on your own. We unpack these riches and these mysteries together. I need to hear from you, you need to hear from me. And he says, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. But verse 17 is where we're gonna be looking that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's there. What's he doing there? <laughs> What's he doing there? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm excited that you would draw our attention to these thoughts and that we could even seemingly scratch the surface of what was eternally in your heart from thousands of years ago or from eternity past to where we are where we're at today in the present. And Lord, I just pray as we continue to look at these thoughts that you would continue to just maybe turn the lights on for us. Help us to realize all that we have. Help us to just maybe turn off the voices that are contrary to who you are. And, um, and really just, I don't know, get, get to know you maybe uh, in a different way and experience you in a little bit more genuine, unique, authentic way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Christ dwelling in our hearts. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. Well, he got there by faith. So let's talk about this, and let's, let's compare Scripture with Scripture. I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. And by the way, Christ in our hearts placing his life there and remaining with his life there is a new covenant truth. This is a mystery. This wasn't before the cross. You want to know why? Because sin was a problem. It had to be dealt with by the blood of animals. And it was only an atonement. It was a covering, but it couldn't take the sin away. It couldn't, it couldn't forgive you to fill you. It could only cover the sin that had to still be paid in full and that's what Jesus did when he showed up as the Lamb of God. But look at this. What agreement has the temple of God with the idols? Or you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is phenomenal because he doesn't dwell in buildings such as the temple in uh, Jerusalem. He dwells in believers, and he changed it, and he has every right to change where he wants to dwell. He can dwell in buildings. Even Solomon knew this. He said, what is the building? You, the heavens of heavens can't contain you. What building can I build for you? He says, um, uh, back in 2 Chronicles when he was building the, the temple unto God. Well, look at what Jesus has to say further on this note. He's about ready to go to the cross. He's about ready to give us the Easter scenario. Before he goes to the cross and is buried and rises again, he knew this eternal purpose was going to be established. He knew it. And so he's teaching them. He says in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. He's saying this is going to happen. It's not wishful thinking. It's what he came to do. Um, and that's in fact, for uh, those of us that are Christians, that's what we know to be true. Verse 20, 
And on that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Amen. Verse 23 of John 14. And Jesus answered, said unto them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home, our abode with him. Amen. These are great truths. Jesus is prophetically saying this because he's before the cross. But after he goes to the cross and rises and, and um, ascends, anyone that puts their faith and trust in Christ alone receives these words of Jesus. He actually, um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all three, the great three and one, the Trinity, comes and takes up residence in your heart. Amen? Look at, this is a familiar passage, but I want to put a slant on this that maybe you, ha- maybe you hadn't thought of before. John 15, 4, and Jesus, of course, is still teaching these truths. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of, it, of itself. Right? We know that. We can't live independent lives and manufacture this fruit. It comes from being, from our connectiveness uh, to Christ. And he says, uh, unless the branch abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But for without me, you can do nothing. I used to think of this word abide as almost a struggle passage. Like, darn it, you've got to abide. I knew I couldn't produce the fruit, but I knew that I had to produce the abiding. Almost like it was up to my strength and my discipline and my willpower until I heard someone recently expand on this. And I started thinking, you're absolutely correct. I don't struggle to abide in North America. I'm not struggling to abide in America, the United States. I'm not struggling to abide in California, well, financially, but uh, I'm not struggling to abide where the country of my birth. I'm in it. I live here. I'm abiding. And so abiding is not a struggling word. It's a recognition. Where's your life? Where's your identity? Who do you abide in? And so it's just a recognition. If Christ is in you and if he really does dwell in your hearts, guess what? You don't have to struggle to abide. Recognize where you are located. Location, location, location. He abides in you and you abide in him just as you, you abide in, in the United States and you're not going to stay here by behavior. It was a birth issue. And now that you're in Christ, it's not a behavioral issue. It's a birth issue. So abide and recognize where your life is. Recognize your, 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 your sense of origin and it's in Christ. Fast forwarding to John 17. This is Jesus. He, he goes apart to, uh, to pray And this is the real Lord's prayer because the Lord is praying and he's not praying for himself. He's praying for others and he's praying specifically for us, but he's also praying for those that would believe on Jesus through us. He mentions in this whole prayer, but in John 17, 23, he says, I am them and you and me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me this almost this mystery again of where. It's mystery that a that a man and a woman would would leave their husband or leave their mother and father, and the husband would join the wife and the wife would join the husband. And this mystery of they would become one. And Jesus is praying for this oneness, this eternal purpose, this connectiveness, this um, this u- this unification, this welding and this soldering and this joining together, this eternal purpose that was in the heart of God that sin wrecked for years and years and so he had to come and take the obstacle away so we could be reunited to our creator and experience his life and love and then in verse 26 and i have declared to them your name and will declare it on the love which you have loved me um, may be in them and i in them i like romans 8 9 i quote this one often actually but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if the spirit of god dwells in you But if anyone has not the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So is Christ in you? Is the spirit of God in you? Is God in you? That's the Trinity in one verse. I don't know if you saw that. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit dwells in you. And I quote this one often, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lives in me. Lives in me. Lives in me. This is going to come full circle, Colossians 1.27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery amongst all people, which is Christ in you. It's this mystery again. It's this, it's this message that he just keeps delivering, keeps delivering, and keep, he won't shut up about this mystery. It's all over. He'll use marriage as an example. He'll use the Jews and the Gentiles of being separated and now being united. He'll use the fact that there was a veil that separated the holy of holies from uh, people. And he'll, he'll just use all of these examples to say, but because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, here is now the reality of this mystery. You're one. You're united. You're connected. You're forever his and he's forever yours right? And so this mystery um, is Christ in you. It was never realized 2,100 years ago, 3,000 years ago. It's only realized this side of the cross. So um, let's look at another one. First Corinthians 3.16. It's kind of funny. If you do a lot of, if you do a study on 3.16 verses in the New Testament, there's a good, lot of good ones. Here's one. Do you not know that the ten, that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? He's kind of asking, a, and think about that. He's asking, do you, guys, do you guys realize that? Do you know that? Because it's easier probably theologically taught than experientially caught. I don't know if we li- leave the church building thinking that we are the temple of God. I think we come to the church building thinking this is where God is, so I better, I better act holy. I better put my cussing outside the door right? Who's going to drop the F-bomb in church, right? This just seems totally inappropriate, which it is, by the way. I'm I'm not trying to give anyone an an idea. (laughs) Um, But think about it. Wherever you go, church goes with you. You are the temple. You are the dwelling place of God. People see you. They see church. I don't know what kind of church. Maybe they see the Corinthian church. I don't know. (laughs) But 2 Corinthians, he's just asking them, um, the same group of people, in another letter, towards the end of it, because he's not quite sure if they're getting it or not. So he asks them, and he's asking them at the end, examine yourselves, whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves. Do you not know your own selves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you're reprobates or unbelievers. Look, is this mystery, is it real to you? Is it, is it a reality to you? Is this mystery realized? But I got to ask the question, so if Christ is dwelling in our hearts, then what is he doing there? What does his life look like lived through our life? What is the fruit that people see? And I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to guilt anyone because to be honest with you, there's a lot of times where I don't exercise or appropriate the life of Christ in me, living through me. Sometimes I'm just reactionary. I'm just kind of, you know, I just make a decision here or there. I kind of I just run on autopilot a lot of times. But what do they see? Is it forced fruit? Is it fake fruit? Or is it faith fruit? In other words, what I mean by that is like we could generate <clears throat> maybe false kindness, false love, Um, or we could trust in Christ to be the real deal through us. So what is the likeness of Christ that people observe in and through us? If Jesus is in there, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, well, what's he doing there? Just to, you know, he wants you to, to experience his life, but he also wants you to release his life to take advantage of the resources that are found in Christ. He is the fruit of the Spirit. He is all of our love and our joy and our peace. And and I know this, but sometimes I forget it. So we have the second mile Son of God living in us, wanting to live his life through us, but how often do I just kind (coughs) of maybe pull the 
pull the brake on the first mile and don't go any further. So I want to do this. I want to have you look at some quotes. These are from saints mostly dead, except this guy. Christ is not only the supplier, he is the very supply. Look at that. Look at that statement, if you would. And I was just reading in Ecclesiastes, the preacher, he looks up wise words. He looks up proverbs and sayings. <clears throat> and I try to do that for you. And this is a great quote. Christ is not only the supplier, he is the supply. Um, right? When we pray for blessings, um, uh, he is the blesser. Right? Um, when we pray for uh, rewards, you know, God is my exceeding great reward. He is the rewarder and the reward, if you think about it in those terms. Here's another quote up on the screen. Christ didn't just come to get men out of hell and into heaven. He came to get himself out of heaven and into men. That's a good quote. Eternal purpose. That's an eternal purpose statement, right? He didn't just come to get us out of hell and into heaven. He came to get himself out of heaven and into us. Um, and I heard, I heard another preacher say this on the topic of hell. He's not so ticked, at, ticked off at you that he's going to just say to hell with you, to hell with you, to hell with you based on your performance. He basically in his love says to hell with me so that you could experience heaven eternally with me. Jesus says to hell with me, to hell with me. And I know that seems cursy. But think about what he did on the cross. He became a curse, and he took hell for us so that we could experience heaven with him. Here's another one. Um, Jesus came to be all that we are so we could receive all that he is. Right? He became 100% man. He became in the likeness of us um, so that we could receive all that he is. Here's another one, Mike Wells, he's a dead one, is a good one. <clears throat> Christ isn't written in text, he's written in the very texture of our being. That's a great one. Because a lot of times, you'll hear Andrew Farley say this a lot, Brian. He'll say God's not contained in a book or in a building. And if you're not careful, you could think like the, the written word is the end all. And he's not, he's written here, right? He is in the written word. He said, all these things are written concerning me, but they're designed to point us to the living word. So where does the living word actually live? In text or in the texture of my being, right? So that's what he's trying to say. That guy, at least in that quote. Here's one. Um, I challenge you women to to not only find this author, but to read some books written by her. So Reese Howell says this, so near, so very near, I cannot nearer be, for in the person of God's son, I am as near as he. She's basically saying, I have eternal union with Christ. She's talking about the eternal purpose. <clears throat> There's so many saints, If I don't know how long or how many years I missed it, but these people that just kind of got it with being united with Christ. Here's another um, uh, saint of old, and she's an author that I challenge you to look up her writings to. Uh, she says this, betwixt God and me, there is no between. I thought, are you, is that misspelled? It should be there's no in between, but she just means there's no between. She means this, here's God, here's her. That's what she means. She got it. I'm not saying this is scripture. I'm just saying she understands what we're reading. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Where is he? Here. Is he leaving? No. How did he get there? Faith. Do you experience him on a daily basis? Sometimes. How can you experience it more? Faith. I should just preach like that. That is just so much better. <laughs> Seed, C-spot uh, run preaching, right? Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Seuss style. Um, here's another one. And I re recommended, I wish Keith was here. Um, he, he always writes all the books down and reads them, actually. 
faster than I ever do. He's like, I read that book you recommended last week. I'm like, last week? <clears throat> How did you get it in the mail so fast? He's like, no, like, no, dummy, electronically I got it. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but Major Ian Thomas, he wrote a book that changed my life too, and um, it's, the, it's called The Saving Life of Christ. Major Ian Thomas says this, to be in Christ, that is redemption, but for Christ to be in you, that is sanctification. To be in Christ, that makes you fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that makes you fit for earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny. The one makes heaven your home. The other makes uh, this world his workshop. Hang on. I think basically what this means is that God is trying to work out what he has worked within. And that's really the Christian life, if you think about it. God did all the work to put his life in you, and now he's trying to work that life through you and out of you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Scary verse, right? Next verse. But it's God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And if you connect it in context, he's trying to work out what he's worked in. And that's when we cooperate. This is the faith part. We say, yes, I'll forgive that person that really ticked me off at work. This is cooperating with that divine operation that's living within. You know what? I'll love that person. Um, I don't feel like it. Uh, they don't deserve it, definitely. You know what? I won't hold a grudge. I won't be bitter. Uh, I won't gossip about that person. You know what? I'm not going to put them down to elevate myself. You know what, Jesus? Thank you for revealing these things. Thanks you, thank you for giving me these, at least the desire and the inspiration to allow your loving, kind, gentle, gracious, merciful, meek life penetrate my, just my my opposite self to align with you and to say yes to your will. Now, <clears throat> we have all the resources to live a life that's well-pleasing unto God. And to do so, I went to Target, because it's literally right behind my house. <laughs> and um, I wanted to buy these. And I know three quarters of the church takes these because they're men's adult 50 plus vitamins. But I'm right there. I mean, I'm just right there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to upgrade my vitamins. Um, but I bought these specifically because I wanted to show you something. Not expired, right? Just bought them last night. But let me read some ingredients. Vitamin C, 100%. Vitamin D is 250%, but all the ones that are above, I'm just going to round off to 100, okay? Uh, vitamin E, 100%. Uh, thiamine, oh, man, I've been lacking in that, 100%. Riboflavin, ribofl 100%. Um, niacin, niacin, 100%. Vitamin B, 3, 100%. Folic acid, oh, I've been starving for that lately. <laughs> Give me some folic acid, 100%. Uh, vitamin B12, uh, 100%. Um, oh, yeah, I was feeling this the other day in my left hand, I, that I was low in panthenetic acid. I'm like, where's that? It's not panthenetic acid. Well, I got 100% of it. Um, iodine, most of us are iodine deficient, to be honest with you, right? 100%. Um, Magnesium, zinc, uh, so magnese, 100%, so on and so forth. You get the idea? So <clears throat> all of those, and it's a one a day, right? Very important. So where are all those vitamins in this, right? Guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> clapping 
Wow, but Neil took his first vitamin and it wasn't a Flintstones chewable. Wow, we're so proud of you. That, I'm making a point, not that I'm healthy and you're not and I take vitamins and you don't. My point is this. Everything that I just read, I have water, thanks. Everything that I just read at 100% level was in that vitamin. Now, where is that vitamin? It's in me, right? So I technically have 100% of everything that's found in that vitamin because of its location. Now it's in me. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have everything and lack nothing. You receive Jesus by faith. How much righteousness do you have? Not because you're righteous. I mean, if he's the vitamin and he's telling you in the Bible, in him is no sin. 100% righteous, 100% holy, 100% accepted by the Father, 100% loved eternally. I could read you the ingredients of Christ. And if you agree to it, you could by faith swallow the pill. No, I'm not Morpheus, even though I got the same hairdo. <clears throat> you could take the pill, Jesus, by faith. Um, and you would have everything because everything is contained in Christ. He could live outside of you and you could study it all day long, or you could leap of faith and say, you know what? Forget theology, forget that. I want to I receive Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to experience what 100% love feels like. Right? And some of us, and guess what? It's a one-time pill, but it's also... It's like my, my wife was telling me, um, you could get a B shot. And I said, really? Do you have to, it's like 25 bucks and you got to keep going back and getting them. She's like, well, it lasts for a month. And I just, I couldn't fathom it. I'm like, how, I, what, how does it, I don't know. How does it last for a month? But I started thinking about that and like Jesus, he's, he's the, he's all the, the nutrients that we need. Right. And he, you take him once, but you keep living off of him and appropriating him. He doesn't go down to 75, 50, 25 percent love. He's always pinged at 10, 100 percent. He's always eternally who he is. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's 100 percent everything you could think of. And he's exactly what we need. He's all the forgiveness we need. He's all the righteousness we need. He's all the kindness we need for others. He's all the patience we need for others. He's all the goodness and gentleness we need for others. He's all the compassion we need for others. He's all the selflessness we need for others. He's all the sacrificial. <clears throat> He's everything we need. I remember last night I was coming out of Target after I bought these. Um, and there was a musician that I've given money to before. And I saw him. And he was sitting on a bench and he was weeping. And I thought, oh, I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> it's not a great story. But I started thinking about just compassion. You know, my heart really just went out towards him. And I know who he is. Adam knows who he is too. He's the one that kicked you out of your spot, Adam, when you're selling your art. Um, but <clears throat> um, just compassion. Everything that we need is found in Christ. And, and when we need to say, I need to see with your seeing, I need to hear with your hearing, um, everything we have, because we have received Christ, he's in our hearts and he's capable of doing what we don't want to do in and through us if we say yes. Here's some other verses. Look at this. In John chapter 1, verse 16, and of his fullness... We have all received. That's a great truth. Of his fullness have we all received. In the subsequent verses, I think in verse 4 of that chapter, um, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. <laughs> um, and it, was, it also says in these verses right around there, I think verse 17, um, he is full of grace and truth. So of his fullness have we all received. I like Colossians. Look at this one, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9 and 10, I use this verse a lot because this is where we start. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, referring to Christ. And then he says, guess what? 
and you are complete in him. And he just unleashed the mystery in verse 27 of chapter 1. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery. And he says, because you're in him, you start with the word complete. That's what the rest of the world's trying to get. That's where we start. I like this one, Second or Second Peter <clears throat> chapter 1. Look at this, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, which by which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. But look at the first phrase. He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, you know what that's equivalent to? 100%. So, Jesus, I don't have this or that for this situation. Really? Because he's given you all things. Second mile, Jesus, I'm tired. I can't go any further with this person. Well, guess what? You have 100% B vitamins. Uh, you've got J vitamins, Jesus vitamins. Um, that could go the second mile. Look, he kicks in and he, he energizes. We have all the resources because we have Jesus uh, in our hearts. So this is the anthem and the confession of the congregation. And Christ is everything. And if we have received Christ, then we have received everything. This is our, this is our anthem. This is our, we're shouting from the rooftops. This is the mystery that was concealed and is now revealed to us. So of his fullness, we have all received and we are complete in Christ and we have received everything simply because we receive Christ and in Christ is everything. So I want to do this. Michael, if you're with me, I want to fast forward to something. I don't know what slide it, it is, but I just want to I just want to wrap it up. There's a slide that says Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 10. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. So this verse says this. We're always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus. This is Paul in his testimony saying, man, we're, we're troubled on every side. Life is coming at us from the left, from the right. Uh, you know, he, he's saying we're perplexed on every side. But he's saying this is working out something through us because Jesus is in us. And he's saying... It's all this is happening so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. And I want to say this, and you've heard this said so many times, but you may be the only Bible someone ever reads. You've heard that how many times? But what I want to say, though, Jesus is not just found in text. He's found in the very texture of our being. So when life squeezes us, the life that's within us will come out of us. I call it Jesus juice, right? I know that sounds crude, but you're, when you're pressed, what's the fruit? What's the juice that comes out? And hopefully, because Christ is in us, his life will be seen through us. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. Clearly, you are an epistle, a letter, a writing, a message, a communication of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink. Uh, but with the spirit of a living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. That's where Jesus is. And you're that, you're that letter being read. I love, love, love this quote. I will, I will quote this often. You, you'll probably have it memorized. Here it is. Sir Francis Assisi said this, preach Christ always, sometimes use words. Preach Christ always, sometimes use words. I want to conclude with this. When I was at Target, um, I found um, <laughs> I saw some old cologne that I used to wear in college. And um, I'm like, huh. And so I'm like, Ch -ch -ch -ch. I sprayed it on, right? And um, just walking around, um, I went home, and I already. I already had all this stuff dialed in, and I didn't think about it. But um, 
then I remembered, I'm like, you know what? I'm making a point about that. And here I am putting on old cologne that, uh, you know, whenever I've worn it, my wife's like, oh, that's what we used to wear when we first met type of thing. You didn't say it last night, but I, you know, the kids were like, dad, you smell different. Um, but you ever smell someone's cologne or perfume and it just triggers a memory? My aunt, I think it was Chanel, I don't know the number, don't quote me, Chanel number something. Is that the only one there is? There's not a four, there's not a six? Okay, I didn't know. Well, whatever she wore, and it might not have been that, I just, it was so musky, or not musky, that's not the right word, pungent, powerful. Um, There's a lot of words to describe. When I got in her Datsun B210, you... You wouldn't know her car. It was an old Datsun. had a white fake leather seats, hatchback. It was like lime green. We'd get in, and it was a stick shift. And I remember we'd get in that thing, and her perfume just in that car was so powerful. That, and there was no windows in the back seat. So um, I remember that. If she were to spray it, Today, I would totally remember. And then, you know what? It brings back good memories. It doesn't, it triggers great memories. Um, what about Old Spice? Any, anyone have some, some dad, anyone currently rock Old Spice? We got some OGs. <laughs> Martha rocks Old Spice. We got some OGs in here. Old Spice is so distinct, right? That white porcelain bottle with the top and a, you know, and um, my dad used to wear it, my grandpa used to wear it. It triggers memories. Old Spice triggers memories, good ones, right? Just a smell. Um, how about this? Uh, oh, my wife, she wears a certain kind of cologne. And you know, certain people's body chemistry, sometimes you could wear perfume or cologne. She wears perfume, not cologne, <laughs> of the Ed Day toilet persuasion. Um, but sometimes it'll last and sometimes it won't, right? With your body chemistry, sometimes it'll just stick around or whatever. And she finally found her jam many years ago. And every time I smell it, I'm like, oh, that's my awesome, lovely wife whom I love. And so um, I buy her that perfume all the time. Um, nowadays, she just buys it on Amazon. She's like, click, and just forget you. I won't wait for like a special event. I'll just buy it. Um, I have some cologne uh, the I wear and it's like $10 it's the cheapest stuff ever um, and my wife buys it for me online click boom we have I've worn it for years um, but there's certain aromas like if you were to go into Adam's room certain aroma um, <laughs> Chloe's I'm not what I'm not saying that's good or bad I just mentioned Chloe's her closet certain aroma that I think it tracks more of like um, feral cats and um, <laughs> More like possums and raccoons and kind um, of scavenger animals, you know, kind of like they're uh, something like dead in there, so they're, they're identifying. Maybe there's food. So <clears throat> there's just certain smells, is what I'm saying. And they trigger certain t- things, right? I want you to look at this verse. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at this. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. That's a great truth right there. You can always experience victory when you appropriate the one who is victorious in and through you. You have victory in you. Okay, just a thought. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You could just let this sweet smell of Christ, its peace, his patience, his love, his kindness, right? All these spiritual senses taste and see that the Lord is good. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking spiritually. And when you think about scent, he's talking about another spiritual sense that we have. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are of aroma to death, uh, leading to death, and to the other an aroma uh, of life, leading to life. And so my challenge is this. 
What's the scent? What's the odor? What's the lasting aroma that lingers after we leave? And I started to think about how, Brian, even I'm going to miss you, brother, but your Sunday schools have been really good. And your thought today was something I had been pondering. And I was just sharing this last night with, um, with Jenner this morning, just how life is so short. It's just so short. Like even James says, our life is but a vapor and appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You could think, what does that vapor smell like, right? <laughs> um, you don't want to walk behind some people's vapors. Woo! But what's the vapor? Um, th there's a psalm, uh, teach us to number our days, O, o Lord, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I love, love, love that psalm. And I started thinking about what's really the, because, you know, my grandpa's dead and gone, but that smell if, you were to, if I were to smell Old Spice, I'd think of my grandpa. If I were to smell that perfume from my aunt, I would think of my aunt, right? I'm just thinking, like, what's the lasting, lingering smell, the scent, the aroma that we want to leave as a lasting impression since life is short, you know? Maybe your scent could be your legacy. I know that sounds very odd, but it's very true if you'd really kind of you look at it on a micro level. It's very true. It's very true. So let's do this. Let's stand and let's be dismissed. And as you consider some of these concluding thoughts up on the screen, let me ask you this. Is Christ in your heart? Is he there? You say, well, I don't know. Well, he can be. And here's how. Simply ask him to invite him in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, if, you, if he, anyone answers, he says, I will come in. Just let him in by faith. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Whatever. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Uh, invite him in. And so secondly, if he stepped out of heaven to step into our hearts, um, I don't know why I put how complete, but how much communion are we experiencing and expressing? So his life is there. He, that's not just the end. Like, bloop, Jesus is in you. He put his life in you so that he could live his life with you and through you. And what I'm challenging us today is when we choose to live from his life, that's where the fruit comes from. That's where the smell comes from. That's the scent, that fresh scent or however that, that you, you, know, you put off of the life of Christ. And then lastly, life is short, too short. What is that aroma or lasting fragrance we want? to leave and let linger. Hopefully it's that that looks, sounds, and smells like Christ. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful church, this wonderful opportunity to preach just some truths that you've put in your word. I'm, I'm glad, Lord, that we could look at these mysteries and be on this side of the cross. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would just live your life through us. I pray that we'd be willing. Lord, trigger my willingness to just cooperate with you because you're there. And just, just help me to say yes when you prompt me um, to allow your life to flow through me. I pray these things for all the church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.